Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. My guest today is one of the pioneers of an interesting concept born out of this, the age we're living. And we at Heads Talk are excited to have him here today, sparing the time to enlighten us to the work that is involved here. True to Head Talk's form, my guest has also had a number of C-suite positions in multinational organizations. And this just adds to the fabric of the conversation today. Yes, I'm being a little cryptic deliberately. So you'll have to find out what I'm talking about right after our sponsor's message. This episode is sponsored by KPMG. In today's ever-changing climate, agility and flexibility are essential to maintain, grow and understand in an uncertain world. Whatever challenges your organization is facing, we can help maximize opportunity while minimizing risk, both today and for the future. Future success means being connected to customers, to market dynamics and digital signals, to employees, to channel and business partners, and aligning across the front, middle and back offices. We'll help you to align, to serve the customers better and deliver greater return on investment. With deep sector insight and the latest thinking, KPMG Connected Enterprise provides a sustainable, risk-optimized route from strategy through execution with the tools, methods, frameworks, and solutions your organization needs to succeed in today's turbulent world. KPMG Connected Enterprise can offer you an insight-driven, digitally-enabled roadmap to efficiency and agility that delivers sustainable growth to your organization today and tomorrow. Start your digital transformation journey now with KPMG Connected Enterprise. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Rob Price recently became a director of the company Alchemy. In his fruitful career, he has had a number of non-executive and board member roles, as well as C-suite roles to include the Chief Operating Officer and the Deputy CEO of World at Worldline UK and Ireland, and the CDO at Atos UK and Managing Partner at Atos Consulting. Rob has also received a number of awards and accolades. He received a Computing CIO Blog of the Year Award and was named in the Top 100 Digital Transformation Influencers. We're going to talk to Rob about the creation of the concept Corporate digital responsibility, which he pioneered along with Christopher Joinson. This initiative was long in the making, as Rob has always had an eye and passion for understanding and highlighting the impact of technology on the world, even as early as the 1980s. A very interesting topic and conversation await my listeners today. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rob to Head's Talk. Delighted to have you here today. How are you? Elaine, delighted to be here and fantastic introduction. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, <laughs> Looking forward to talking about corporate digital responsibility uh, and all it entails. Thank you very much. I was pretty much oblivious to this, so I'm, I'm, we're very much appreciative of you joining us today, being the, the pioneer of this concept, and you'll be able to enlighten us. And I think at the end of it, we'll all be experts. So let's let's get straight into it. Um, let's start by you telling my my listeners. What do you mean by corporate digital responsibility, CDR as it's abbreviated, and digital ethics? How young is this concept? And at a high level, please explain how this all started. And what are the people, process, and technology element of it? 
Um, so, so I think, I, I mean, as you say, there have been a number of roles over a number of years that I've been helping international organisations on their digital journey. Um, mm -hmm. and, and whether digital, um, we, could, we could talk at length around the definition of digital, but in, in my mind, um, mindset, culture, pace, agility, enabled and empowered by a variety of technologies that I'm sure many listeners will be very familiar with. Mm -hmm. I, I think we started asking the question, rather than focusing on the business or indeed kind of the relationship that those businesses had with their consumers or citizens if, if it was public sector what, what was the broader impact on society as a whole on the planet as a whole uh, mm -hmm. from the way in which kind of businesses were uh, de delivering their digital transformation or indeed using the technologies in their engagement with the world and and this dates back probably to around 2016 when we started looking at this also coinciding with uh, things uh, like the election in the US, mm -hmm. uh, the Brexit vote in the UK, et cetera. Um, so I started uh, with, with a group of people around the world in a range of different countries, the US, Senegal, uh, Netherlands, UK, India, um, putting together a focus piece of global research on what we termed at the time digital society, the impact of these technologies on society as a whole, um, and to try and get our heads around what, what was happening with the digital divide? Our hypothesis was the divide was growing, not closing, that it wasn't about broadband connectivity, but it was about people's ability to gain value, personal value, out of the range of technologies that were, were being used across the planet. Um, we I remember doing a survey in 2017, global survey, uh, asking people how they felt about technologies, ranging from uh, banking on your mobile phone through to nanobots in your bloodstream uh, mm. to fight disease through to um, well all, all uh, uh, Alexa devices within the home for example um, and, and it was from that survey and the findings from that survey that we started talking about the term corporate digital responsibility around 2017-2018 at that time um, there was, I mean, I remember kind of doing searches on, on the internet, there wasn't a lot, if anything, there, but mm -hmm. I think there were a number of parallel initiatives across the world, with hindsight, that started using this term of really putting digital at the heart of corporate responsibility um, in around that time. Slightly separate definitions, but for us, it was very much focused around, very simply, what can businesses do? to drive for more positive outcomes for society and the planet by utilizing digital technologies in appropriate and permissible ways. And it was therefore talking about things like digital well-being, accessibility, inclusion, sustainable automation, unbiased AI, digital influence, uh, data ownership, trust, th mm -hmm. those aspects, which I'm sure we'll come back to throughout the conversation. Um, so, so that was the birth of, uh, of CDR, if you like, in, in, in my terms. Um, but the, as I say, there's a range of um, other um, starting points and, and especially if I look to what's happening in the world today um, then Germany and Switzerland I see very much as driving um, CDR kind of at scale across uh, government businesses business associations academia mm -hmm. but we're starting to see it spread further as well as as we become more conscious of how do we do the right thing um, to ensure these positive outcomes, if you like to create more of an utopian future than dystopian futures that we uh, have often envisaged through science fiction, film or otherwise. Mm -hmm. and, and briefly, if you may, without going into too much detail, am I right in saying that people and organisations even 
are doing CDI without realizing there is a, this definition to it? I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I, a number of us have been using the term corporate digital responsibility, but equally, if you look at what uh, what's happening across the globe, then you'll hear terms like tech for good. Um, you'll you'll hear environmental responsibility. Mm -hmm. There's a range of terms that are used, um, and, and, and I actually don't think it matters what we call it. Mm -hmm. I think the important part is what are organisations doing to create positive impacts in the various mm -hmm. aspects of what we term as CDR, but other people have kind of used other terms. But surely uh, the definition is important so that it's almost like the net that catches everything. So everything is grouped and, and people know what are the processes, what are the procedures, what are the standards, what, what they need to adhere to, surely. But I, th I think I think you're right to some extent. Um, I, I think the reason I perhaps say terminology matters less is because of the time pressures. Yeah. So some of the things that we need to achieve, and I've written before around contrasting the evolution of CSR over 100 years, mm -hmm. uh, we haven't got 100 years to kind of have the impact that CDR needs to have mm -hmm. on the way in which we conduct ourselves to create positive impact on the planet, for example. Mm -hmm. so, so, so therefore, in an accelerated space, we don't have time to kind of do detailed standards, detailed frameworks. I, I, I think I'd far rather that organisations were at least kind of recognising that the need to nudge forward and improve on their position around um, inclusion or, in, or on the environment or okay. uh, in the way they use data. And, and yes, for those that want the, the framework and a holistic view of what CDR can bring, then great. Uh, and I think it is important to get some degree of uh, coordination around, certainly it's a high level around those principles, if you like, but I'd rather people drove forward with action rather than spent years on standards. Okay, I, I totally follow you. Okay, um, a lot of us have heard of the concept corporate social responsibility. And I must admit that came into my mind when I started to research corporate digital responsibility. Which one came first? I'm not sure. How does CDR tie in with corporate social responsibility? Are they the same or two separate entities having to work together? Please explain this to my listeners. So, so I think I think I think one of the challenges is uh, they, they are um, they are not linked particularly in the sense that um, CSR has been, as I say, long term in the making. Uh, first thought of nearly 100 years ago, probably in the last 10 years ago, most people have got familiar with uh, this CSR function and the reporting and, and the concept of doing the right things to help community or charitable. Um, but CDR for me is, is different because it is very much making a tangible difference. We have to, it, it's about understanding how digital digital has transformed the planet. Mm -hmm. The way in which we live, the way in which we work, it has been a fundamental revolution. Putting that at the heart of, of the, 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 the corporate responsibility message of what is our legal obligation to, what is our, our regulatory obligation? What, do, what should we be doing differently? And I think that the critical thing here is absolutely tangible difference. Mm -hmm. It's really important in any of these areas that this is not a pretty report. And I'm not suggesting that every CSR report is a pretty report, but it's about making a real tangible difference. Whether we're talking around impact on climate change, whether we're talking about uh, financial inclusion, whether we're talking about um, appropriate use of, 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 of data online, uh, mm -hmm. well-being online, mm -hmm. 
we have to make a difference in those things, not just kind of be able to point to something that that looks good. Yeah. And, and perhaps being slightly unfair in the way in the terminology that I'm using, but the seat in a, in a sense, the way that I often talk about CDR at the moment is it is the pragmatic guide by which you drive for improving your ESG ratings. It's yeah. it's it's getting there, making a difference, delivering things differently, having a real tangible impact on the planet and the society. Mm -hmm. Well, let, let's talk about something tangible then. Let's look at your initiative in, in action. Fairly big question. Um, when a company embarks on a digital transformation, what are the basics they must consider in terms of social, environmental, and ethical impact to ensure CDR? Technology aside, is this a straightforward adoption or a, a fundamental change to business processes, uh, operations, interconnectivity, values? Can you provide, provide us with cases to elaborate your, your answer? And questions in my head are like, how is compliance ensured? Who does it? Is it external? Um, are there laws and regulations in place? What are they? I, I, I mean, this is a brilliant question. And, and I think I have to go back to the first question that you asked in terms of the, the how young is the concept. So, so I think it's still an embryonic concept. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it, the answer is, in a sense, in evolution. Mm -hmm. um, digital transformation itself, 10 years ago, we, we, we may well have been talking about developing an app or uh, a, a new website as, as it started at the heart of um, maybe the CMO and, 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 the, and the interaction with the end consumer mm -hmm. uh, and, and maybe kind of three, four years ago, we've been very much focused around the need for end-to-end -end agility and flexibility in the enterprise business as well, operating model processes. It's not just about the front end, it's about delivering speed in the organization. I think the thing that we are saying today is absolutely this overlay of, but are we doing it in the right way? Rather than the art of the possible, is it the art of the permissible, making sure that the use of data is appropriate, that we are considering the energy impact of the services that we are providing. So in, in that context, there are a range of uh, things that, that are emergent. Uh, we, we've seen, the, um, starting kind of with basics, the UN Global Compact is a set of principles that many organizations can understand in the context of de the delivery of the SDGs. Uh, B Corp, kind of both in the in the US and now kind of uh, throughout Europe is, is, is providing a framework that enables organizations to think about the, the, the way in which they kind of deliver value in, in society. Regulation and standards around AI or environmental positions. We've got the Digital Markets Act, Digital Services Act in, in Europe. AI regulations have just been introduced at a, a, a European level. Uh, there's lots of discussions around uh, ethical use of uh, AI or ethical use of data. I actually prefer digital ethics because I think it's far broader than that. So, so I think that's where we are today. And we've got the emergent rise of things like uh, the digital ethics advisory boards, the guardian councils. Um, indeed, uh, I wrote this week uh, uh, around uh, an organization uh, in Germany, Valida. And, and Valida for me is a great example, going back to your, your, your point about case studies. They, they've driven a corporate digital responsibility program as part of their digital transformation, clearly aligned with their defining purpose as an organization, clearly aligned with their desire for uh, sustainable uh, supply chains um, and, and the impact on the environment. 
mm-hmm. clearly defined a set of principles that are important to drive that transformation of the business, and indeed have put a CDR council in place that therefore enables any work or any project that's done across the organisation that doesn't align to those 15 principles that have been defined to be considered uh, in, a, in an appropriate way as to what therefore should be done. How, do, how is it kind of therefore aligned or, or indeed is there good reason why that needs to kind of evolve further? So, so for me, it's, it's, an, it's an evolving space. Um, mm-hmm. Organisational need, if you like, to kind of understand those regulations that are applicable, those standards that are applicable at a global, regional, local level, mm-hmm. uh, to understand the difference between ethics and uh, mm-hmm. regulation and law. Uh, that's a big challenge. I mean, I had a conversation in, the, in, in our podcast last week um, with Daniel Hume, and, and we were talking about may, maybe we needed kind of AI to make sense of, of that regulatory environment so it could guide um, compliance officers in businesses as to how to kind of deliver those uh, products and services, whatever their business is, in, in the most appropriate ways. So there isn't a straightforward answer because we are learning. This yeah. is where we are in, 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 in adopting mm-hmm. um, this, this new set of lenses on top of what we have seen as digital transformation over the last few years. Um, but it's a fast moving space and becoming clearer. Okay. Because the concept, um, as you said, is in its infancy state, surely as it matures, um, new roles, not yet known, will be defined to implement this with um, with corporations or even consultancy organisations. Absolutely. And I think, um, I mean, one of the things that I often talk about is who is responsible. So, so, I mean, we started off in the introduction um, talking about the things that I'd done from a career point of view, and I'm especially interested to, 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 to envisage who within a board is responsible for ensuring that all of these things are considered. Um, many people say it's the CEO, and I think that's absolutely right. Many people also say it's everybody. The problem with the everybody is it can fall between the gaps. So, so, so that doesn't work for me. Um, I think I'm interested, I mentioned the Digital Advisor, Ethics Advisory Boards, panels, whatever various names that they're given, and, and, the, and the mix between within organisations and, and external bot people involved in that. Um, the CEO has to drive this. The CEO is responsible for the reputation and the direction of the organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could well be that the roles that exist do need to do need to evolve um, to 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 get clarity of ownership to make sure that there is somebody who is very much driving that consistency driving that now I don't think it's the technology uh, role Mm -hmm. uh, although much of this is embedded in technology uh, because I, I think interestingly this demands a mix of technology and data and algorithm expertise mm-hmm. but equally philosophical and historian expertise and economic and political expertise and mm-hmm. it's the meld of all of that, that that helps drive these things forward in an appropriate way. So, so perhaps the, the CEO has the overall responsibility for it but then as this thing develops um, a new C-suite will come into play that probably will need to take charge of it because it's a mix of everything you can't sort of put it in the, the, the CDO space or you can't put it in the CFO space it's probably something new I think it's, it's, a, it's one as you say you you have your own podcast which is 
um, the aptly named Corporate Digital Responsibility, and I'm sure it's something you've talked about there, and people can find that information there. Um, let's talk about profit and sustainability. Um, are corporations finding it challenging to thrive digitally and meet sustainable requirements? If so, what do they tend to do? I think, I think in part, um, again, we're in a very current space. I did, I did a, uh, I had a conversation this last week around sustainable web design. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so that's very much thinking about, um, in a sense, the environmental impact of a click, uh, which is tiny in the scheme of things. But when you're talking billions of clicks, <laughs> then yeah. that adds up. Yeah. Um, now, now, my question to um, the guys who are behind the Sustainable Web Manifesto was, it was indeed that very point about, are people thinking about this? Are they absolutely using that as one of the core criteria? Who comes to you to say, I need a new website or brand image driven by sustainability? And, <laughs> and, and, and the answer, of course, is, well, that hasn't been the case until maybe this year. And, and, and they were finding that kind of it was now at the point where people were beginning to think about that. I, I it actually, from a personal experience last year, um, so, so you mentioned my background in Worldline, Worldline rebranded itself uh, mm. last year. Um, and, and I remember being in France in uh, 14 months ago as our new kind of brand uh, image was launched. And, it, and, and the thing that I loved about that was that actually the, the color palette that was being talked about the, the, the fonts that had been selected were all driven by the fact that um, it was the sustainable impact of them. The color palette was the least ink if anybody ever did print something out. The, 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 the fonts that was used was the least uh, use of paper if people were printing something out. So, so I think it's the, again, it's that emergent space that yes, people are driving kind of digital transformation. That, I mean, they have been for many years, that's clearly accelerated by the pandemic as many organizations mm -hmm. have talked about. Um, but now because of that um, sense of needing to do the right thing, sense of community, that kind of clarity around thinking about the environment, I, I do see it beginning to creep into the conversation now but literally over the last year or two. And, and, and I was I, on the back of the sustainable web design piece, I was thinking, what would, a if I was designing an, an IT strategy or a digital strategy for an organization, designing it in from, from the start around, for example, what, what technology stack has the least impact? Um, if I'm using Teams or Zoom or, or any of the many tools that we've all mm -hmm. been using over the last year, What's the, what's the optimal way of, of using those? So for example, I've stopped blurring the background on, on, on my use of them, because clearly that's in, in all, all by in a small way, uh, the use of the technology is crying energy that's, that's using energy to kind of blur the screen. Mm -hmm. so, so what does an environmental IT strategy look like or an environmental digital strategy look like? And, and, and I think there's probably very few of those. I think people are conscious and thinking about the circular economy and thinking about renewable energy and thinking about their carbon footprint absolutely in the, in, in the context of their digital transformation, but designing it in as one of the core criteria in the same way that we would now think um, security of data, for example, because people have been focused on it from the introduction of GDPR. Once upon a time, I, I still remember security being the thing that maybe, yeah, it was nice to have, but, but maybe it was dropped if people were short of time or money. That's not the case anymore. I think that's where we, we are getting to with this kind of point around uh, sustainable and sustained digital transformation. 
Okay, okay. Let, let's look at the, the practicalities of this digital evolution. Um, with the with a digital solution, presumably organizations are building on top of legacy systems and systems that are stacked on each other and other things that, that cannot readily be removed and in fact are still being used. So in the drive to adopt corporate digital responsible solutions, how does an organization meet set requirements with issues in this space? How does this impact the, the CDR goals? Where do you start with this? So, so, so I think my view on this one is actually from a CDR perspective, I don't think it changes the, the, the intent or the desire. I've operated in the last 10 years in many organizations that have got very mixed estates uh, with some uh, very legacy technologies and systems. Indeed, uh, one of the things that I did a couple of years ago was to launch apprenticeships for COBOL development, mm -hmm. uh, simply because I knew that uh, there were still some technologies uh, that were being used actively out there that, that needed to be maintained and looked after for some years to come yet. So it's not as though they're suddenly going to be eradicated um, and, I, and I think the key thing here is as organizations have driven their digital transformation and have lessened the degree of legacy or have understood how they hook into an interface and kind of mm -hmm. still create a degree of pace and agility, albeit sometimes with legacy systems there, that at least it is moving in the right direction. So, so I think if you can kind of envision for any corporate business, a set of measures that whether it's ESG measures or, or whether it's simply a carbon footprint or, mm -hmm. or, or maybe if we thought about some CDR related measures, how do we ensure that they are moving in the right direction? It's not about kind of ensuring that change happens overnight, that would be nice, but not realistic. So how do we nudge it in the right direction on a mass scale? I think that's what, that's what we need to do. And therefore legacy, um, I mean, some legacy kind of technologies and in many ways may be uh, more efficient than some, more, some, some newer technologies. One of the conversations I've had recently has been the relative environmental impact of programming languages, for example, mm -hmm. um, to, because there is a consequential impact in terms of the energy use on the systems and the infrastructure that then actually kind of operates them. Um, Bitcoin being the most kind of a, a common example yeah. that people will talk about. So, so I don't think it changes the CDR position. It's a reality of mixed estates. People have needed to think around digital speed in conjunction with keeping yeah. the lights on of the legacy tech and indeed kind of finding some way to, between bridging the two. But what is important is to understand the impact of your business through the lenses of CDR or digital ethics or environmental uh, impact, or, or whichever one is most important to, to you, or set are most important to you, and improve your position. Okay, okay, that that that's comprehensive. Um, you've sort of answered the next question, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But this question, well, the answer to it, um, will tell my listeners about the buy-in maturity stage of CDR. You know, we talked about the, the maturity stage of CDR. Okay, um, are we anywhere near the stage where corporations' reputation is at stake if they do not meet the necessary CDR requirements with the implementation of digital solutions? Or is this, while not pleasant, not a major problem yet? So I absolutely think we're there. 
Um, and, 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 and I think we need to look at the kind of separate component parts in, in that sense. I mean, we've seen it very much on the back of GDPR and, 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 and fines that organisation and reputational damage from inappropriate uh, use of data, for example. So, mm -hmm. so that's clearly one aspect. I had, a, I had an interesting conversation the other day um, with a guy who'd kind of worked in the energy industry uh, for his career and his son was at a university. And, uh, and and his son basically said, "Don't don't don't bring the business to the university campus because you're not welcome here." Kind of thing. So so that that Gen Z digital native perspective, millennial kind of view that says, actually, we want to work for organisations that are doing the right thing, having a positive impact on the planet, having a positive impact on society. I think that the, the search for talent will be another key aspect for this. How do you attract kind of that next generation that's going to kind of drive you forward as a business? So, so I do think that we are there in many ways, whether we're talking about it from a digital perspective in terms of uh, data, whether we're talking about it from an environmental point of view, mm -hmm. financial inclusion. So the inclusion and accessibility kind of point, I, th I think absolutely uh, that, that we've been there for a while in, in that space too. And, and I think, I mean, the one that I haven't mentioned perhaps there is, is the whole impact of um, automation and, and uh, unbiased, uh, explainable AI, uh, sustainable automation and the impact that that has on society. Mm -hmm. so, so absolutely, I think the time is now. I think organisations um, that have higher, that have invested time and effort to drive forward their improvement of ESG ratings are seeing the benefits of that. I think the investors um, and, and, and I'll mention Ethos Fund in, in Switzerland, uh, they published last year their CDR principles, mm -hmm. their decisions around um, pension fund investments are based on what they see happening around um, organisations having a clear and explicit published uh, position around CDR mm -hmm. and and. and evidence an audit trail that that's being realized in some of the actions that they're taking forward so i think when when you're talking about um investment decisions impact investment um esg kind of being a absolutely kind of there's a reputational impact of not not only being seen to be doing the right thing but actually executing and making change mm -hmm. actually that's quite that's good to hear you say that because in my head, the answer was no, we're not there yet. So I'm quite glad that you've sort of corrected what my thoughts were on this, and we are really moving forward. Um, uh, talking about buy-ins, um, whose buy-in is absolutely necessary? The employees of the corporation, stakeholders, customers, shareholders, or the, the wider public? Who needs to be on board more than the others? Note, more than the others to ensure that the implementation of digitally responsible solutions. It's interesting. One of the conversations that I remember having um, five, six years ago, and we were talking about digital transformation, and I was thinking, um, who is digital transformation? Who's, who's it benefiting and, and, mm -hmm. and the work that we're seeing? Because yes, in terms of uh, business efficiency and, and being able to sell more or deliver more with higher productivity, et cetera, um, but but what about from all citizens or consumers? What about from the employee perspective? Um, and, and so my answer is all of these. Yeah, Everybody has something to say in this kind of space because it's important that, comes back to my point around the digital divide right at the start, mm -hmm. what do we need to do to 
narrow the divide such that um, people have the ability to gain more benefit, personal benefit, societal benefit from the things that are happening on a wider scale. I think in, in, in my experience, often actually the desire and intent does come from the top in terms of uh, from a business board. There will be clearly kind of uh, defined statements around moving the, moving the needle in, in any of these areas. Um, often there's ambition, desire, uh, uh, from bottom up as well in that sense. I mean, I always find kind of people across organizations who are passionate about driving change, doing things differently, wanting to create kind of more equitable outcomes and things like that. Sometimes mm -hmm. it gets stuck in the middle. Um, so, so, so firstly, kind of there's the organizational dynamic. I think there is a, a, a there's a changing demand in the public. Mm -hmm. um, so, so Clearly, kind of that depends on the particular market sectors for any business. But I think, I think certainly, if we're talking about um, the environment, for example, um, may, maybe the pandemic has not only been an accelerator of, of, of digital adoption, but also kind of that awareness that says this has been traumatic enough. What do we do to avoid kind of any subsequent traumas? Um, and, and therefore, what? How do people change their their behaviours? Now. Um, a personal example i stopped eating meat 18 months ago mm. um but but actually i think there's a view that says people will pay more for sustainable products or or organic products or uh, and, and and maybe that's because the costs are higher and maybe it's because it's perceived that people will pay more and i do ask the question of if for example we wanted to drive accelerated change mm -hmm. um, and things cost the same were priced the same would 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 consumer demand drive differences in the way that again coming back to that measured outcome if we were to whether we were talking about environment or whatever it might be um so, so i think there's some questions there i do, so i do think it's all of those need to be on board because all can can block to some some degree i, I just wanted to highlight one one thing um and and, and it's an it's an example that i, I read a book called manifesto which is um, Dale Vince, uh, founder of Ecotricity, um, bought, uh, or is chairman of Forest Green Rovers, which is a football club in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he, so as a football club, um, he drove uh, clearly kind of with Ecotricity, was very renewables focused and, and also kind of made it the world's first carbon neutral football club, also the world's first vegan football club. And, and, and what they found was um, actually people identified with the purpose. So football clubs tend to support tended to be local, certainly at kind of that level of football, whereas they've gained more support because people identify with purpose. Mm. And, and, and therefore, that I think that's an important one because it comes back to the millennial piece as well. More of us are looking for purpose alignment, value alignment in the choices that we make. It's been a key thing again for me during the pandemic. I've tried to buy uh, products and, and 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 source them from local and sustainable yeah. um, sources rather than elsewhere because that's been the values that have been important to me. But I do think it's everybody has a part to play if we want to kind of drive change. I, I totally agree, and I think that as you say, the pandemic has accelerated that because even I buy locally now and and continue to do so. And we're not quite out of the pandemic, but I continue to do so, and I will continue to do that as well. So it's changing habits. Um, changing direction, Elizabeth, um, with these next set of questions. Um, 
Tell me if this statement is true and if you can elaborate. The use of digital products and mental health well-being fall into the category of CDR. Is this true? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, it's a key part of it. So, so again, going back to the original definition that we did in 2017, 2018. Mm -hmm. um, so digital well-being uh, was, was a key part of it. Um, mm -hmm. Privacy, uh, safety online, um, absolutely. Um, I think in, in, in many ways, the survey that we did um, highlighted uh, two key things, actually. So, so this, this remember, we talked earlier about asking people around the world how they mm -hmm. felt about technology. And, and I mean, there were many interesting things that came out of that survey, uh, but, but the two things that always stick with me are people adopt digital technologies in, for two reasons. One, because it is so convenient. It is really easy to use contactless card, for example, to pay for something mm -hmm. never more clearly than during the pandemic in terms of touch. Um, so, so, so therefore we do it, it saves time, it's a benefit for us. Uh, we need to get to the trust piece, but that's quickly done if, if we see clear benefit. The other is health and well-being. So, so interestingly, uh, one, of the, one of the fascinating points was people were more comfortable about the theory or, or the thought of nanobots in their bloodstream to fix disease mm -hmm. than they were to have a voice activated device in the house. Because kind of, I assume, because it was the thought of being listened to versus I need to fix my health. Therefore, if that helps, I'm willing to do that. Now, now that, that, that's a quandary, isn't it? In terms of, I mean, only, only this week, I was listening to a webinar on a, on a new book out called uh, Born Digital, looking at, um, uh, in, in essence, the digital or the digital native generation, uh, where, well, not actually, not just that generation, because we all spend our time glued to our mobile phones, don't we? So, so this quandary between uh, the convenience of access to everything but at the same hand, uh, knowing that actually critical, criticality is uh, health and well-being, both physically and, and, and as you say, kind of mental well-being mm -hmm. as well, critically important. So, so, so yes, and I think some of the things that uh, certainly in the early days of, of the conversations, uh, a lot of the focus around um, accessibility and inclusion tied in with that very closely as well uh, to try and ensure uh, the right balance. Now, I think there's a big debate in there around regulation, controls, privacy, freedom of speech, etc. That is is being played out all around us, and and, and the fake news piece, and and all that. Yeah. So I'm not for a moment saying, uh, and this is the answer to it, because I I, I do recognise that yes, it's part of CDR. Yes, absolutely, organisations need to consider that, and it's not just big tech, and it's not just the big platforms. Yeah. It's we all need to consider. Uh, how we think of uh, the impact of the products that we use or the products that we deliver to market uh, and how to promote well-being, absolutely. Okay, um, we've talked a bit about um, the pandemic, but what role has COVID-19 played in the education of organisations on CDR? How has it accelerated CDR for you? I think, um, I, 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 I think in a sense, I'll come back to that focus on sense of community. Um, a, a conversation I've had a lot has been the pandemic has, I mean, we talked earlier about supporting the local community. And actually another thing that I've found is that I've, I've 
um, support communities that have, have emerged over the last year in, in the digital communities, uh, for example. I mean, I, I cycle and run, uh, and um, I've therefore kind of virtually run and cycled with a number of people all over the world that I've connected to over the last year. That that community thing, digital community, is so important, and and I think because of that and that linkage between thinking then about society and planet as a whole, then says people get it now people the principles behind corporate digital responsibility four years ago when i talked about it or at least talked about digital society i could often talk to a room and and, and had a number of blank faces look back at me what are you talking about why are you talking about politics and the economy in the context of technology we are technologists yeah. i don't get that now people get it helped by I mean a number of other um, initiatives organizations individuals I mean one of the key books for me that I read for example was Life 3.0 which came out 2017 2018 mm -hmm. talking about these same kind of things so I think community is the consequence or sense of stronger sense of community and well-being is, is, is the thing for me that's come out of the pandemic combined with digital then says better awareness around CDR and therefore is this something that we can utilize within our business to drive positive action and the impact that we can make on, 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 on society on, and the communities of which we are a part for any of those businesses. Okay, okay. Um, at TED's talk we like to end an episode looking forward and, and perhaps hypothesizing. In the future and with your particular understanding remember at the beginning i mentioned that you have spent years decades even looking at the impact of technology on the world it is your passion what does utopia look like with cdr i think my very simple answer is avoiding the many dystopian outcomes that we've read about watched talked about um, now, now, what do I mean by that? I, I think let's look at the kind of specific lenses and I, I'll refer to kind of some of the work that's happening out there. Um, so the UN Environment Programme is driving a global digital transformation focused around how can digital technologies have an impact on climate change, biodiversity and sustainable resources. Um, and they've, a couple of weeks ago, launched CODES, um, so, so the Coalition of um, digital environmental sustainability with a number of organizations, uh, UNEP, UNDP, um, uh, German, Kenyan organizations and more Future Earth getting together to say, how do we understand and collate the data that's relevant to help organizations or governments uh, or, or entrepreneurs create positive impacts that are beyond their own organization to have a real impact on in this case, the planet? And, and how do we enable them to connect into that and innovate? And what does an ecosystem kind of need to look like? Because of course, they can't tell people what to do. They can just enable and uh, evangelize and, uh, and empower people to kind of make a difference. And, and I think in that sense, uh, may, maybe just to kind of give a couple of illustrations of other things that I've, I've read about the University of Exeter, I think um, some, some students there kind of were looking at capturing carbon out the atmosphere and 3D printing coral reefs to seed the recreation of the coral reefs, which I thought was a cool use of technology to have a positive impact. 
Uh, I mentioned uh, Dale Vince earlier. One of the things that he's been talking about is capturing carbon out of the atmosphere to turn into diamonds. I, I am intrigued to know how he's going to do that. Mm -hmm. But 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 the example, the, the reason I give those examples is um, people can innovate and do amazing things. And 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 with that sense of community, how do we group together to create repeated positive outcomes that continually nudge us forward towards a world that is sustainable, that mm -hmm. can support um, the, the, the population in, in a way that um, begins to uh, move forward with the addressing of all of the 17 sustainable development goals that are in place by the UN to create a fairer, more equitable society um, that, that gains value um, and feels included by the pace of change of the technology uh, that we're seeing. That, that, in a sense, is kind of the utopian outcome for me. And, and people, uh, many people that I've mentioned on this call are, are trying to play an active part in, in making that, realise, realising that utopia. And I applaud them all for whatever they do within that journey. And that's nicely summed up. Um, we're going to put um, up links to your organisation in the episode description the more that finds out about this and are compelled to act, the quicker we get to that utopian position you talked about. Rob Price, many thanks for your time and insights. Elaine, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests and you, for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.